<laughs> You're now listening to the Inside Out Podcast with Jimmy Hunt. Get it. Welcome to Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. My job is simple, to improve my mental fitness through any means possible and deconstruct what works, what doesn't, and what I think may be able to help you become mentally fitter. And quite often, it leads me to some pretty interesting people, places, and stories. And today, I have my lovely wife, Libby Grace, with me to talk about kind of a relationship thing. Kind of. It's sort of halfway bridges the gap between our relationship episodes and uh, my episodes where I talk about particular topics. Because today I would like to talk about choosing your family. And it's something my wife knows intimately about. Don't you, Libby Gross? Yes, I do. Hi, Jimmy Hunt. In my research, there was an interesting thing that came up. And one of the idioms, the sayings of humanity is blood is thicker than water. Right? We've all heard that one. Mm-hmm. We all know mm-hmm. that one. And it's been used to imply that your family bonds are stronger than your non-family bonds. Interestingly, that like a lot of the sayings and idioms, has evolved over time and has been taken out of context because the original quote for blood is thicker than water was the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Mm, Interesting. And so the original expression actually implies the opposite that the relationships you choose can be stronger than the ones that are forced upon you by genetics. Mm. And in that particular case, it's about your relationship with God. So we'll just let that one slide on by. But, <laughs> but that, you know, that's, that's where the original thing. And so the, the current uh, take on that from society is actually the opposite of the original meaning. Uh, which, you know, there's a few sayings like that that have happened. And so I am in the uh, the space of the original quote, not on the God side, but on the ability to choose your family is actually more powerful than the water of the womb or the connections of genetics. And it's, um, it's actually been echoed in a few studies, uh, quite a few. Uh, one that I was looking at in personal relationships, the journal, uh, shows basically that as we age, friendships are more important than family. Mm. For our happiness, our physical health. And obviously, the, you know, the, the key to that, question there was as we age because obviously when we are very young we rely heavily on the family that we were gifted through circumstance and that family has a massive 
impact on your life. I use a quote quite often, which is um, zero to 18 fucks you up, 18 plus your job to fix it. You know, zero to 18, basically, we have very little free will, <laughs> very little choice. Uh, we are at the mercy of our familial circumstance. When we're talking about choosing family, I really do have to caveat that with this is really an 18-plus discussion. Mm. When you have the, the freedom and the resource to be able to choose your family. You and I, Libby Grace, grew up in very different <laughs> familial <laughs> circumstances. Vastly, starkly opposite situations. Yeah. We want to tell us about yours? Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. I grew up in a very small town. Um, I, had a, I have a family. My, my immediate family is six people, me. And I have three siblings, one sister and two brothers. Oh, I mean, this is, I don't know, this is a big, deep, long Yeah, we don't, story, have, to, we don't so have to get going, into all of it. We can just give, um, the, yeah. give the bullet points for the people so they mildly understand. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a, an extremely uh, religious family. Really difficult as a youngster to actually put a, a name to it because um, you know, I had friends who were religious, but they went to church and they had a name for their religion. You know, they, they knew that they were Catholic or Presbyterian or whatever it was that they practiced. But I didn't really have a kind of clear indication of what it was that I was involved in until I was no longer involved in it. And in fact, much, much later than that, I, I did a lot of um, reading about the way I was raised in my early 30s. It um, took me that long to actually kind of really discover a lot of the truth behind it. So um, the easiest way to fit for me to describe it so that people understand is that it was a very small cult. Like it wasn't a really cool, <laughs> awesome cult where I got to live in a commune and, you know, like just a, a normalized version of a cult that people understand because I, I didn't. I just lived in my, in my home with my family and the people that were, I guess, practicing or following the teachings of this particular uh, methodology or person or whatever was, you know, a handful of people. It was extremely, extremely small. Um, and so my world was very small. I, I lived in a, a small town to start off with and I went to school and I had a, a normal-ish um, childhood in that regard, but my home life was anything but it was, you know. It, but even at school you weren't allowed to dress the way you wanted or do. Oh, that. no, I mean, I had I had restrictions upon me in terms of, I mean, everything, like everything. Um, and the, the closest thing I can. The way you groomed, can, the way you dressed, the yeah, way you acted, yeah. all of that, all of that. The, the closest thing that I could kind of um, associate it with and explain to people is that I also grew up around um, – a lot of my friends or a lot of the kids that went to school with me were exclusive brethren and they kind of had similar restrictions on them or similar kind of uh, things that they followed. So I used to kind of loosely describe it as it's like being exclusive brethren, but I didn't have to wear the um, scarf on my head, but I used to have to wear a similar kind of, I wasn't allowed to wear um, pants or shorts or anything like that. I had to wear dresses, long dresses, had to have my hair long. We didn't, celebrate Christmas or any of the religious holidays. 
we did have birthdays, which made us different from um, exclusive brethren and I was allowed to watch television. But, you know, all these other things that that went into it were um, kind of, I guess, muddled together. The the guy that started this, um, I don't even know what to call it. Honestly, I still don't. Um, yeah, his still just name, a cop. Okay, let's, let's just call it a cop. His name was... Um, brother William Branham. And as I researched it, as I got older, I literally Googled William Branham because I, I wanted to understand once I'd worked through a, a whole bunch of stuff and got out of it, um, I wanted to understand it. And it was just one of those moments in my life I'll never forget because I Googled the, the name and it came up with, I think maybe a Wikipedia page or something, maybe not Wikipedia, but a page that was literally a list of religious organizations and cults and their level of danger with a green and orange or a red light next to it. And this one had a flashing red light of how dangerous it was. And I was, I was shooketh. I was absolutely shocked because I'd grown up being told to call myself a Bible believing Christian. And I was like, well, okay, that's people who are Christians believe in the Bible. So that makes logical sense. But actually, the the name of the the cult, really, the name of the the following was Bible believing Christian, was kind of the what, how they named it, and that they followed the teachings of this um, brother William Branham. He died long before I was born. He wasn't even around. He was like one of those, um, I guess, evangelical kind of Middle America kind of kind of people I don't I didn't really go into too much research after that because it shocked me so much I was like oh I grew up in a cult like that was kind of the real yeah. thing for me it's like I, I knew how I grew up but I didn't know how to how to assign a, a, a terminology to it but then I was like oh I'm being I'm literally being told that I grew up in a cult okay cool that makes that makes sense so yeah, so when we're talking about family though your family didn't really act like a family to you Growing up, you didn't uh, get the, you didn't get the you didn't get the love and attention that a child in what most people would call a normal family got. I mean, yeah. Look, there's there's varying degrees of love. I believe. Um, I want to caveat everything that I say here. I want to be very careful about this because it's it's always front of mind for me when I speak about my upbringing. When I speak about my family, that I'm highly aware that they are not here to present their side of the story. So I'm very, very careful. I try to be very careful about how I speak about it because this is literally my life experience and my perception of and my understanding of how I was raised. And I do not have any uh, doubt that other people and my other family members may view it differently or may have kind of, you know, contrary beliefs or arguments against or whatever. So I, I try very hard not to speak for other people. Um, and I do believe that I was loved. I do believe that I had, I had love and I had a, a semblance of protection. However, I don't believe that I had, I certainly didn't have what I would consider a normal level of love and a, and a healthy level of love. And I certainly do not believe that I had a healthy level of protection as a child. That's obvious. That's kind of, you know, the, the things that went on were I was not protected from. And I was kind of um, 
I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't yeah, subjected. Look, I mean, we don't have to, like, maybe we don't have to get into all of that. We know that's, that's fine. The, the point that we're talking about here in this, in this whole podcast is, is choosing your family. Mm-hmm. And so basically the result of all of that is that you are estranged from your family. Absolutely. I, and so I, you, have, you, have, I, you have no, you have no uh, real, you have no contact with your brothers, sisters, and you have very little contact with your parents. And yeah. what's interesting is that uh, researchers kind of, uh, it's, it's a topic that people haven't really researched all that much because they kind of thought it was not that big a thing. Um, mm. But as it started, there are researchers that are estimating that estrangement is as prevalent and could be as common as divorce in some segments of society. Mm. And so, you know, the fact that you have very little to do with your parents, your family, your brothers and your sisters, is actually not as uncommon as, as you might think. No, I, I don't... Um, I don't think it's uncommon, but I, I don't really know that many people who have chosen to estrange themselves from their family. And I think that's a very important distinction is that, yeah, I had a, a moment in my life where I felt very much like they turned their backs on me and that kind of forced me to look at it and go, okay, well, I I can either continue to have them in my life or I can put these kind of um, barriers up or these kind of, I guess, boundaries in place that means that I am isolating myself from them because of the hurt that was being caused. So yeah, I chose to to have go no no go no contact. That's um, a really good point though around boundaries mm. because boundaries get crossed by family members all the oh, time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's exactly. one of the that's one of the big things. I, I, it's a really big. Uh, sort of trend, even on social media at the moment in the uh, positive psychology sort of uh, community around teaching boundaries to people because we mm-hmm. just, it seems to be a thing that we didn't really learn so much. Uh, I had no boundaries growing up. I mean, I had huge boundaries forced upon me, huge restrictions forced upon me, but I yep. had absolutely no healthy boundaries. I didn't know how to create them and I didn't know how to protect myself and I wasn't being protected. So yeah, boundaries and me are not really kind. Of, we're yeah. not best mates. We've, and that's I've interesting had because you've had to it. learn that over time. Like even yeah, in, even inside of even our still, relationship, you've had to learn boundaries because you didn't learn them growing up. Absolutely, and still, I'm learning boundaries. I'm learning how to put boundaries around um, my mental wellness and my uh, emotional well-being around friendships and other relationships as well. So that it's ongoing. And I guess for me, I kind of had a stunted start at that. I didn't, I didn't get taught that. Um, I, I didn't have healthy boundaries set in place and I didn't have a role model for that. So yeah, I, I chose to, I chose to um, leave my family. Well, I chose to take some time away from my family or just not kind of given to the pressure of your family. This is expected of you. And um, you know, you hear that all the time. You're like, you owe it to your family. Your family is the most important thing. I absolutely disagree. I couldn't disagree with any statement more on the planet that 
just because your biological destiny was to land in that in that environment doesn't mean that you owe them anything. I mean, we've talked about that in a past episode about, you know, owing and, and owning. The luck, the, the happenstance of you being born into that family, yeah, it was for a reason, but it doesn't have to tie you to any person for the rest of your life indefinitely if that especially if that if that relationships or those relationships are actually damaging you and harming you it's so much more healthy it's so much better for you to remove yourself from the situation to have the strength to do it and don't get me wrong it's the that was probably the hardest decision I've ever made in my life and it took me a long 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 time to be comfortable with it I grieved because even when it's a crazy situation, you're still attached to that crazy oh, situation. Look, you you grow up with these people. I had my entire life until my 30s being in a family, and then I realized the damage that was going on to me um, ongoing from my childhood. And when I drew that line in the sand, it wasn't like, oh, okay, cool. I know I no longer have anything to do with my biological family. It was absolutely a long process. It was a grieving process involved. I used, I remember being with you on occasions after I'd stopped sort of having contact with anyone and seeing, I remember this one time you and I were in Whangarei, I believe, and we would stopped for lunch. And I just saw this family having lunch together at a picnic table. And I just burst into tears because it was, it just looked so nice. It just looked so normal. And I was heavily grieving at the time, my decision to not be involved with my family anymore. And I wasn't just grieving that decision, but I was grieving something I'd never had. I was grieving this ideal of what I thought a family should look like. And I'd never had it. I'd never had it. And I was so sad. I was really torn up about it. And then I, the weight of the decision kind of landed on me in that moment of you've chosen to completely walk away from that ever and be alone possibility you know, and be alone theoretically, theoretically alone I felt like an orphan exactly. I, I was like I have no one I have no one that's how it felt and it was so heavy and yeah, yeah I had you and I had friends but I I realized in that moment I don't have a family I had yeah. my grandmother still she was still alive and she was she's somebody who I've been she, she's one of my closest and best friends especially as I got older so I had her, but yeah. she wasn't involved in that um, in that life. But that but, actually uh, yeah. segues nicely into um, an episode we'll do in the future, which is on death mm-hmm. and how you had some real visceral reactions to thinking about my death. Oh yeah, gosh. And, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, don't! I'm having them now. <laughs> Because, and I've only just put two and two together now, which is that because you had estranged from your family and the family you chose to replace that initially was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so therefore losing me meant that you would have been Completely, completely alone. alone. Can you planet? now understand all the tears over the phone when I think you're about, you haven't when you haven't called me and I think you've died in a car crash? Can we now give me some compassion and understanding for where that yeah, came well, from? Yeah, well, that's a whole episode that we'll get into because it's <laughs> it's an interesting one. But it is a good topic. But yeah, yeah you do. I I felt completely 
I had no family and that's a massive realization. And I, I know I'm not the only one that's ever gone through it, but I think it's a, a really, really big decision to walk away from the people that you've been born into, that your biological ties to can go to say, you know what, actually, this is what I need to do for me and to yep. put myself first. It hurt so much and it took me a long time. I kind of weaned myself. Yeah. Initially, I weaned myself and then I realized, you know what, the weaning's not, well, not actually helpful. I'm going to you just go to no contact. And, on, and you know what, you, like we, we've talked about already, I, I have minimal contact with my parents still. I do still. Now, I, I didn't speak to my parents for a while. I don't remember the time frame. But I haven't spoken to either of my brothers or my sister, either of my brothers for 10 years coming up or yeah. around 10 years now. And my sister I spoke to more recently than that, maybe within the last six or seven years. And it was the most awkward conversation of my life. It was horrible. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's done. I've, I've got to put a lid on it and not reach out anymore because it's just, it's just not there. Yeah. So I haven't had the relationships with my siblings, but I do continue a semblance of a relationship with my parents. And I'm not 100% sure why still. Yeah, because it's still hard to I, cut I still, that. It's very hard. I still love all of them. I have absolutely got love for every single one of my family members. As that's a, a whole. Being, that's that, a whole nother talk. All, all, all over to 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 understand <laughs> how you can get from where you were to being able yeah, to love them. Well, because one of the things that's really interesting about the boundaries and making that decision that you made is that you know because people might be asking you know when when do I make that decision and that's a very mm. complicated answer but basically it boils down to when your psychological and physical safety needs outweigh the expectations mm. and obligations to yes. either be with or forgive family yeah. members. Yeah, and let's let's really highlight that word obligation because the kind of person I was, the way I was raised, I was obliged my whole life to yeah. my family. I was obliged, obliged to, to God, me. obliged oh, to everything. <laughs> so that was a huge it's Maybe it's been, I mean, you know, you've been there through through all of this with me. It's been the, probably the most fundamental decision I've ever made in my life is, is working around that, deciding, okay, this is what I need to do, hurting, potentially hurting people in the process. I was so worried about hurting my parents by not yeah. talking to them anymore. I was, I still carry guilt. I still carry a little bit of, oh, you know, did I do the right thing? Not so much anymore, but for a very long time I did wonder, second guess myself, is this right? Am I hurting people? And I would always, I've always put other people's feelings ahead of mine, always my whole life. Um, and, but I felt Boundaries. obliged. Yeah, exactly. So I felt obliged. I felt obliged and I was told to be obliged by them. It wasn't even just a feeling. It was, you know, you know what I, I mean, yeah. like you said, it's a long conversation, but it was the most crucial moment in my adult life so far of going, okay, this is what's, this is the first decision I've made that it is exclusively for me. It is exclusively for my well-being and for my healing. This is the big one. And I changed my name at that moment. I changed everything about me legally. I changed. Yes, most- because your uh, original name is Elizabeth. And oh, a lot of people, a lot of people will know that, that Libby is you know, short for. for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people probably won't know Elizabeth means consecrated to God. 
Exactly. And ooh, <laughs> because no thanks. I walked away from the the religion aspect well before I walked away from my actual family. So my my middle name was my mother's name. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I didn't want to be tied to her. I didn't, I didn't want to carry that with me. And then my surname when you met me was my ex-husband's name because we hadn't been divorced and I'd, I'd kept it and it was professionally. It was what I, what yeah. I went by. And, but he had, so, he had cheated on you and hurt I you. liked the name and also did I didn't you? want to be. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. I did. Okay, Just, sure. Regardless, stop judging. Anyway, I... Did, I would rather that name than my family name because I of didn't course. want to be in, involved with my family. So I had to go to the process through the process of changing completely, changing my first name legally to to Libby and and choosing a new surname. And that took a process as well of choosing the surname. And then when I landed on Grace, it was like, oh, I mean, that was meant to be like it was ridiculously meant to be. So I am legally Libby Grace. Some people think I'm Libby Grace as a first name. Some people think I'm Grace as a first name. I'm whatever you want me to be. It's fine. I love I love the combination of the name. But legally, I'm Libby Grace. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, here I am. This is me. I've chosen my new family. And it's not your surname, even though we got married afterwards. I was never going to take your name. And I, I was, was like, never, I never, like, it took us so long to get you to Libby Grace. I was yeah. never going <laughs> to get you to be Libby Hunt after that. No, there's no way. And I, and that's the beautiful thing is that we found who I am. And so that's who I am forever. No matter what happens, if I, you know, I, would, I wouldn't take your name because, yes, you're my family, but I'm my family. More importantly, I'm my family. I've figured out who I am. I know who I am. And I'm, and I love who I am, and I don't need, I don't need a name to be associated with somebody. Um, oh, that's your family. That's your familial name. Don't care. Not interested. It took me, yeah, it took me so long to find to land on Grace, but when I did, it was like I just felt like, oh, I'm home. Hello, I'm home. Okay, good. Let's yeah. go. Which is yeah. perfect. Mm. And so, I mean, that's a, it's a great chat about the fact. That I mean, we haven't even really talked about choosing your family yet, no. which is what I, which is what I named this, uh, named this episode. But it's a perfect, long but perfect uh, intro to understanding why someone would get to a place where they need to choose yeah. their family, yeah. and that's that's it's actually just as important because this episode kind of it's kind of a bridge. Between two episodes, one was I did a couple of weeks ago with Will Fleming, which was called uh, Surround Yourself with Awesome. Mm. And that was about choosing the people that you spend the most time with and how that influences your life. It bridges between that one and an episode that's coming in the near future, which I'm calling uh, Making Friends After 30. Because, whoo, that's a hard, <laughs> that's a whole hard thing to do, and that's and that's kind of where you ended up was around the age of thirty mm-hmm. with no family. Yeah, and then and then me- needing to be able to choose one. Yeah, and then you brought with you an incredible family. I kind of. I fell yeah, right you're locked into in that. on that one. I mean, honestly, I think the phrase, can we just segue here? The phrase is lucked out. 
that the the good thing is to luck out. That's the phrase. Yeah, I don't, don't think like it. I like my one better. Yeah, it's a very okay. Anyway, your family incredible and welcomed me with open arms, and I got this sense of oh, this is a this is a, the normal family I, I I kind of had as an idealistic view growing up. This is what it looks like. You know, two parents who love each other and treat each other kindly. Siblings who, I mean, yeah, at the time you you kind of, you were having a bit of a, an issue with one of your sisters and that was a, a little bit um, awkward. Yeah, but, but at, the most, at, at most it was only ever uh, awkward. awkward. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> yuck. It was, it was a bit of a yuck vibe, but it yeah. certainly wasn't <laughs> it harming wasn't, anybody too no. much. Um, um, but yeah, I, I landed into this family. I was like, these guys are amazing. They're beautiful. They're normal. They this, you know, just it just felt so good to be in something normal. And I hate using the word normal because obviously that doesn't exist. There's, and because we're actually whatever. not normal. We would like no. to, we were, I mean, we would love this to be the actual to, definition yeah. of normal, but we're quite exceptional by yeah. being what people think is normal. Yeah. I think your, your family is kind of almost the gold standard of functional families. It's, it was beautiful. And I was like, Oh, amazing. This guy comes from this, incredible family who's supportive and kind and loving and and welcoming yay what a what a lovely thing because my um ex-husband's mother and I I I mean I loved her I loved I loved his family but it was there was there was stuff there um so it felt so refreshing and so beautiful and then I think I think if you turn around and look at the Oh, I think you've taken it down. The the photo of you that I wrote my wedding vows to you on the back of. I'm pretty sure in my in my vows to you that I wrote, I thanked you for giving me the gift of a family, of choosing my family and, and choosing um and choosing the people who I would now call family. Like that's one of the greatest gifts you ever gave me because with you came all these amazing people. Like your circle was just full of love and full of amazing humans and full of people who were different backgrounds and interesting lives. And they suddenly became people that we spent a lot of time with, or I, I got to meet. And I was like, you, I'm keeping you. You're awesome. I want <laughs> yeah, you're not keeping me for me. You just keep me for the people around yeah. me. And yeah, so then, I've, um, yeah, I've, it, got, I've got your vows here, Libby Grace, that you wrote. Okay. It says, uh, you have helped me create a family to surround myself with. A family yeah. of amazing humans that I love with all of my heart. A family that fills up my soul and makes me smile inside and out. This may just be the greatest gift someone has ever given another person. And for this, I will be forever grateful. Oh, that's beautiful. I've got, I'm covered in. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, you did. You. It's it's the big, it's the greatest gift you've ever given me for sure. You, you allowed me to go through what I needed to go through. You opened up a space to invite in beautiful humans for me to pick and choose from. And you essentially lost all of your friends to me. (laughs) Once I met them, I'm like, yep, you're mine now. And, you know, I ended up having some, some really close um, friendships and relationships with, with your, with your friends. And so it was, definitely um it helped it kind of took the sting away a little from this great big decision I'd made and it made it a lot easier to go you know what this is what my life's meant to look like I'm meant to be able to choose the people that I spend my time with I'm meant to be able to say to them 
and I do this constantly. I make a point of it. I tell people I love them. I tell all of my friends I love them. I tell people I've recently met who I feel like I have a connection with or I just enjoy their company. I tell them I love them because I do. I'm like, I love that what you've brought to my life or I love this connection that we've got or I love this conversation that we're having. You're a beautiful human and I want them to. I want them to feel that because that was something I, I guess I'm filling up a, a gap in myself by saying it to other people. I didn't hear it growing up. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't this. I was, you know, I was beneath, beneath, beneath. But it's super important to me for, for the people who are around me to be made aware right off the bat, you are who I choose to surround myself with. You are my family. And I say that to new friends. I'm like, you realize you're my family now. And it's really, a lot of them are like, oh, what, really? Like, wow, it's quite a big deal. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm choosing to, to spend my time with you. I'm choosing to um, and that's see. really important, a distinction there, which is friends choose to be mm. there for you. They are not obligated to be there exactly. for you. Exactly. Which makes it an even more beautiful bond, a more beautiful sentiment. Mm. You know, if you, if you end up in the hospital, like your family are kind of obligated to turn up there. Whereas, yeah. whereas your friends... If they turn up there then and they bring stuff or they help you with something, then you know that's that's far more important or it's it's just far more meaningful. I think that's the thing it's it means a lot you kind of you feel really um privileged or or blessed to have somebody choose you you're like i I choose to give my energy, I choose to give my time everyone's time starved at the moment everyone has very busy lives. So to be able to carve out some time to say, you know what, you're important to me and I love you and I want to spend time with you. That's what family means to me now. It's those people who, you know, I don't see a lot of our friends because they're on the other side of the world, but I love them. They are my family and they know that. And when I speak to them, that's it's what I'll say is you are so important to me. I want to give you the time that I have. And and I want to spend time with my friends here as well and, you know, trying to slot into people's busy lives. I know it gets a bit tricky, but you're the person I choose to, to spend time with. You're the t- person I choose to share experiences with. That's special. That's, a, that's really, really meaningful. Yeah, and one of the interesting um, things that came out of some of the research I read, which was a, around how uh, both – both parent-child and uh, and other familial relationships, they require maintenance and they can't just be taken for granted. Mm. And so you can't just focus on like the, the biological links. You have to really put in the importance of things like, you know, mutual support, care and love. Like mm-hmm. those those things have to be sort of active. Yeah. And a lot of familial relationships, are, it's kind of just expected without yeah. the maintenance. Yeah, so you're just there. You are just, you're just there by default almost. Well, you're expected you're like- to have a good relationship without putting in the effort and work that it requires to actually have a good relationship. Mm. Because if you had a friend 
who you did the same amount of maintenance with in the relationship, that that relationship would would wither and die. Mm. And there's just an expectation that, oh, because you're my cousin, because you're my brother, because you're my whatever, even a parent, because you're my parent, mm. that even if we do nothing about it, it's supposed to still be good, which yeah, is ridiculous. I think, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think part of that comes from what might make that easier, possibly, this is just kind of my two cents on it, is that you've just you've been in close proximity to that person for so long. You've grown up in the same house most of the time if you're talking about your siblings or your parents. So you've ended up having investment, that time invested into a relationship and it doesn't, it's kind of passive, but it builds a a stronger connection or it builds a connection. So it's easier to do less, to make less effort, right? Because Yeah, but that's still why it's called maintenance. Like you, (laughs) you build something strong, but then you still have to maintain it or else it'll break down. Yeah, and what I'm saying is that you can have a, a family relationship with someone when, where you've never put in any effort, either of you. It doesn't mean it's a good relationship, it just, but it's yeah. there. It stands up. Yeah. It's kind of the, the shell of a building, but it hasn't been fleshed out. It hasn't had the, you know, it's, it's got a foundation, but that's it. It doesn't yeah. really have anything kind of to it. So, yeah, I think it's easy to get lost in, well, it's, I mean, there's been, there's people who are in family situations where they shouldn't be and they are scared to leave or they are not sure what to do. And it feels more comfortable not to rock the boat. It feels more comfortable to say, this this is my normal. How will it feel if I am not in this family? And, you know, these are quite often subconscious thoughts. They're not really ticking around in, in the brain at the, the forefront of your brain. But there's a there's a, a level of, well, this just feels normal. So it feels safer to be here than it does to make that big decision to leave. And that is because of the time investment and that kind of, I guess that, that sunken cost um, fallacy of it's easier to stay in this, which actually harms me than to, to really, to break away from it and cause myself some um, short-term pain and, you know, everything that comes with that. Because there can be some, my situation, I happen to be kind of lucky, I guess, that I have a family that would rather ignore problems and not talk about them and sweep everything under the carpet rather than confront me about, Hey, why aren't you talking to me anymore? Why haven't we heard from you? Why, you know, like I don't, I don't have that kind of family. So I guess it made it actually easier for me that they're very keen to go, Oh, that never happened. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. I mean, well, no, (laughs) we confronted part of it. once. We confronted part of it once and it ended up with me getting quite yelly in a driveway. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I I get quite protective over you. You do. But what what I'm saying is I was, I guess it was easy for me to walk away from something because on a subconscious level, I knew there was not going to be any kind of fallout. It would just be swept under the rug with the giant mountain of other shit that my family's never discussed. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. Put that to bed. I can now focus on me. That's still sitting there. Whatever they want to do with that pile of that massive pile under that rug, they can do whatever they want with it. I'm not, I'm not having a bar of it, but there's people out there who, if you are in a situation like me, where you've been, you're a part of a family that's not actually good for you. That's not healthy for you. That's actually holding you back and is harming you. It can be frightening. It can be scary to make that step. But like I said earlier, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. It's the scariest and hardest. And, and it was it was horrible. And one, I questioned myself and I w- thought, what kind of person am I? 
so many times over. I grieved and I cried and I felt lost and all of that. But that decision has put me on a path that is a billion times brighter and much more expansive than I could ever, ever have imagined or, or ever could have had possible had I not done that, had I not made that decision. Yeah. And that's wonderful. So if people want practical sort of tips around choosing your family, I think uh, step one, go back to the surround yourself with awesome episode, mm -hmm. because in that I talk a lot about how to actually find and surround yourself with people. And then listen next week when I do the dating, uh, the making friends after 30 uh, episode, because that's going to be very practical as well, because mm. I do some strange things in order to try yeah. and make friends. <laughs> but I think those, it's, re yeah. it's really important also just to know that you've to know that you have a support system or a support network, whoever that might be or whatever that might look like before you kind of decide, okay, I mean, if it's a, you're in a situation like I was, it's a big deal. I had a um, really good therapist. I had you, I had friends. Yeah. Um, so you've, you do need somebody to lean on. Absolutely. But, because that's then, one of the things is that you might feel like you're alone in this world, but you're not. Because yeah. and I say this all the time, I say it after my talks, I say it all in all sorts of facets that if you haven't got anybody and you do feel like you're alone, hit me up, send me a message. I'll That's exactly what soon. I was just going to say. Of like, If anybody feels like they don't have anyone, I'm here. I've yeah. been through something similar. And, and sometimes Libby it's, in Mexico. It's sometimes nice. Or you, you might have bad internet. So <laughs> can't guarantee a chat. But no, it's sometimes nice to hear, share experiences or just be heard by somebody who has been through something um, similar and can empathize with you. But I don't know, it's just, it's important that you, it is important that everybody feels like the people that they have around them really do have their best interests at heart and really do love them. Like that's, yeah. that's crucial. It's vital. It's vital for, for being a human. Last thing I want to touch on, and we don't need to go too deep into this right now, is the fact that you and I have made a choice to not have children. Mm -hmm. Now, we didn't initially make that choice. You and I tried to have children, and that didn't mm -hmm. end too well, um, which it actually ended in a TED Talk, uh, an mm -hmm. uh, article that got 1.4 million views in 24 hours, and a podcast episode in the near future about miscarriage and because we have now chosen not to have children one of the things that uh, sort of pops up when I talk about this sort of stuff is people's fear of being alone when they get old mm. and it's like who's going to take care of you when you get old <laughs> and when I was out the other night I was with some friends who are uh, currently a, you know, have made the decision to try and have children, so they're, they're in that process. And he said something that was very, very lovely to me and made me feel really nice inside, which was, I want my child to have you in its life a lot. Mm. And 
like that's how you and I feel. Um, yeah. We are basically in a sort of volunteer family slash parental role. Yeah. I say, you know, if, if I end up in the kid discussion, I say, oh, we've got plenty of kids. Some, <laughs> some are about as young as four and some are as young as about 60. Yeah. <laughs> and we do. And, yeah. And we play, we play that, that, familial that parental role in their lives mm. we we have friends who have lost parents from you know natural causes and we have friends who have lost parents out of choice mm. and we are happy to play some facet of that role in their lives for them because yeah. We choose them as our family. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of people who have slept in our spare room um, when, yeah. we were, well, when we had a house in New Zealand, the amount of people who just... Or, or run away need, to Mexico to stay with us for a while. Yeah, <laughs> that they've just needed love. And I'm really, I guess, proud of you and I for that we've created that, um, that space and that energy in our relationship that people who we know, we may not even have known them for more than 24 hours, know that they have a place with us anytime they need it for whatever reason and that we will give them love and support and honesty and, you know, somebody to hear them. Um, that's to me, that's the definition of family for me now. It's not your biological family. It's not your genetics. It's got nothing to do with it. Your family are the people who support you and love you and guide you and tell you the truth and be honest with you. Those are Loving the people critics. who exactly that's that's what family means to me. And we've created like I said, we've created family that we've known for minutes. I think one of our um, a beautiful girl I met at a yoga a yoga thing, Wonderlust, years ago. She came to stay with us for a few days, and I literally met her at this yoga thing for a few hours. She needed somewhere to stay and um, while she was in Auckland, she's from South Africa. And she stayed with us for a couple of days and it was just like, yeah, you're, you're home here. You have a home here whenever you need. And it, it's just giving people that time and that space and that energy. And the amount of times that's happened where some random person that we've not known has, has arrived, needed love, and then become part of our lives in some way forever. You know, we may not see them often, but they're always, we're always available and, we're, and they'll always be part of our family. Like that's that's something that we've created that I'm really, really grateful for and I'm really proud of. Um, I'm really proud of being able to create a family that's non-biological, more so than if I'd had a child because that's easy. It's yep. easy to have a – well, I mean, not for us it wasn't easy, yep. but, but it's, it's, it's relatively easy just to bring a life into the world and, okay, yeah, you've got a family, but to actually yeah. create, create family, to create love and to create space takes a lot more intention and it takes a lot more energy, and I, I'm really proud of the that we've done that. Yeah, I mean, I was joking about that with a friend the other night. Not actual serious, but uh, <laughs> we need fucking licenses for children. No, <laughs> you know you, you, that you need, should be a thing. <laughs> you need you need to be able to show that you're a relatively uh, well put together human to be able to uh, be entrusted with with a child for I feel at like least eighteen years. It's such a cosmic joke. It's one of the great cosmic jokes. Is that you kind of look around at the people who are bringing children into the world and raising them. And yes, that's everybody's right as a human. I don't get me wrong, but it's like, Oh, some of the, 
people you think would make the best parents, some of the most clued up, most most loving, kindest, most open-minded people can't have kids yeah. or don't or choose not to. And then you just see this this other um, side of society sometimes just having child after child and not having the resources or not having the time or the space to actually invest in that child's development. You're just like, that's such a cosmic joke. (laughs) For me, it is anyway. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't understood so far, you can choose your goddamn family. (laughs) And uh, it's a big decision, but I said earlier, when it comes to a point where your psychological and physical safety needs outweigh the expectations and obligations of family, of uh, biological family members, then it's okay to walk away and it could be the best thing you've ever done in your entire life. And even if you don't not looking to estrange yourself from your family, even if it's just a whatever it is, I think it's one of the smartest, most beneficial things that you can do as a human, and that is choose your family wisely. Surround yourself with awesome, wonderful, uplifting, beautiful, and lovely people. And just makes your life a much happier place to be. <laughs> Thank you, Libby Grace, for giving us some of your background. And uh, I appreciate your, your honesty because we've talked about this before. You and I are pretty much polar fucking opposites <laughs> at everything. And I will share with brutal honesty, as we all know, pretty much everything about my life. Um, But I also haven't gone through some of the horrific shit that others have. And so even you sharing little bits, because, I mean, you are a very private person. You didn't want to even start co-hosting this podcast. I had to talk you into that. (laughs) And and over time, you have have started to learn to not only – not hate it. Not hate it, but actually embrace it and love yeah. it. And I've always said that eventually I will get you to fully tell your story. Oh, and I said no. eventually, and I, you know I put zero pressure on, yeah. on that. Even today I was cutting you off in order to, yeah. to make you not have to. No, um, I get it. And, and so that – but over time you will share your story. And this is because – and this is just the caveat at the end of the episode, something I talk about in a lot of my talks, is that how do you change a culture? You change cultures through stories, and stories are vitally important. This, these podcasts are stories. They're important. They change one person at a time. And so some people, like John Kerwin, tells a big story 17 years ago, changes the culture of a nation and how yeah. they look at and talk about mental health. And even what you shared today, Libby Grace, will be absolutely life-changing for somebody that listens to this podcast who, who, who has come through a similar situation. And the more you talk about it, the more people that help, but we do that in a, 
in a in a psychologically safe time frame. Yeah, look, um, just let me say one thing about that. And that I, as time goes on, yes, I am a very private person, and there's many reasons why I don't share everything about myself publicly. Um, not that I've had a platform to do that or wanted a platform to do that. But I, as time goes on, I do realize that my life, my story, my experiences are a gift to um, to help me, no, number one, on my evolution. But I, I do realize that they are a gift that I can give to other people, that the learning that I've had, the, the growth that I've had through all of that, there's a, there is a purpose behind it. And I absolutely agree with you. I, uh, many, many, many people know my full story. Um, yeah, you're I good at telling it in person to people face to face people who that need I it trust in that, in that, exactly yeah, need it in that space exactly I'm an open book when it comes to that but on a public forum like this like I said <laughs> there's many reasons why I why I don't do that and one of them is like I mentioned earlier the the ability of the other people involved in that story to refute slash have their point of view heard as well that doesn't yep. exist so I'm very yep. mindful of that I, I agree with you on that baby but you also you have a lived experience and your lived yeah, experience no, exactly. is your lived experience. It's, and it's exactly. not like you're throwing, you won't be like legally throwing anyone under the bus or anything like no, that. So no, 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 I understand. But so, yeah, like it, it is definitely something that I do want to, that I acknowledge can help a lot of people. And if it, if that's what I'm meant to do, then it, that's what will happen. I, I definitely um, believe in the power of story and the power of sharing and the power of honesty. So yeah, I mean, and like I said earlier, hit me up, anybody who doesn't want to speak to Jimmy about stuff that might be um, going on for them, I am available. I'm not great at responding, I'll be honest. It sometimes take a while, but I'll be there for you if you need me. Yeah. All right. That's the addendum to the end of that episode. Um, thank you very much, everybody. As always, appreciate the time we get to spend with you, if you've got any questions, any queries, go to jimmyhunt.com, my email and stuff there. Get in touch with me on social media. I'd love to hear what's going on. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. That was Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. See you next time. <laughs>